The Everything Sequel Podcast is brought to you by Tuity Fitness and Brew Bar. The Everything Sequel Podcast contains explicit language. Because we learned it from you, Dad. Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is the Bill and Ted edition. Today we're facing the music. Michael Schantz here of the How Dare You Awards. Joining me, you know him by now, Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Production. He's going to give you something glorious. Hit them, Tom. Don't fudge with me. Has anyone done as much with such a basic part as William Sadler has with death in this series? Yeah. I can't think of I can't think of many other roles like this. I know, right? And uh, you his, think you think yeah. about the rest of Sadler's career. Yes. And this feels like such an outlier. It really does. I mean, he is funny in Shawshank, but Right. But this movie suggests that he is a truly gifted comedian. His And well, he's not uh, doing nearly enough of it, it throughout the course well, of his I career, mean, right? Well, also, uh, I would say, you know, this this particular movie may, has some big mistakes, but none bigger than waiting an hour before they put yeah. death back in the movie. Yeah. Um, his acting choices throughout this and the last movie are just beyond reproach. He has a moment in this movie which is sublime where out of nowhere he just kisses Keanu Reeves on the forehead. Yeah. <laughs> Completely unmotivated, unrelated to anything, <laughs> but just such a beautiful uh, addition. Mhm. Especially, you know, in a movie where the script is not great. I think those moments read even stronger yeah. than they than they would in cuz there's a ton of those in Bogus Journeys, but he's also got a lot of great lines in that movie. Right. Whereas here I notice just, you know, the 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 additional content that he brings just through his acting choices. This movie is muddled in a way. This movie feels heavy. It's yeah, like just it's I agree. weighted down uh, by ideas, by the yep. script, by characters, by by the way it's filmed. But yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say the, the I say actually the, uh, the you know right down to the color palette. Mm-hmm. It, it just it feels like a yeah it's like an you're overcast, right you're right it's about an that. overcast day of a movie right yes exactly right <laughs> and so well so ladies and gentlemen we're of course talking about bill and ted face the music a 2020 film directed by dean parasot i'm gonna say i hope i'm saying that okay. right we got to talk about this we do because this was this was a huge this guy's uh, resume was a huge surprise to me. Me too. At least, especially considering one movie in particular. But he has directed Home Fries, mm. Fun with Dick and Jane, Red Two. But the right. standout surprise for me is Galaxy, Galaxy Quest, Quest, which is an extraordinarily fantastic film. 
Yeah, you think if you can if you can pull off right. Galaxy Quest, you could pull this You could kind pull of a, this movie off, right. You could pull this mix of comedy and drama off because that's what makes Galaxy Quest great. Yeah. Is that mix of comedy and drama. And that's what they're aiming for here, but it, it misses the mark by a mile. But yeah, by a yeah, by a long long shot. But also, if you look in there, I believe, if I remember correctly, there's episodes of Justified and There Deadwood. are, and so a plenty of television, and good television. Well, I mean, that, yeah, I mean, that is, it's the, you know, the cream of, of television drama. Right. Uh, I mean, this guy is capable. Right. And, you know, let's, let's compare this to the guy who directed Bogus Journey. Yeah, exactly. You know, best known for Thunderpants. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, if you'd have told me, you know, if you'd have asked me who directed what... I would have reversed it, exactly. I would have reversed it. Yeah. Because I know what this guy is capable of. And that, I mean, it fills me with regret. Like, this movie yeah. fills me well, with regret, because there's... <sighs> I just I just feel forlorn because there are things there are are ideas that I like in this movie but for sure there are moments that I like in this movie there are choices from actors I like in this movie and there are interesting things happening yeah. in this movie but in total it just doesn't work and it it really made me sad because yeah. Going into it, seeing that it has 82% on Rotten Tomatoes, I was sure that this was going to be, you know, just so much fun. Yeah. but And we spoke to that briefly. We did. In one of the last episodes. Because still not, I still not been able to get my head around it. I, I, I really think it's a COVID thing. Because I, I think the critics saw this. But it would disappoint me more to be living in a miserable time and see a miserable version well, of but, a good idea in a good movie. Yeah, it would depress me more. You're, you're right. When I can't leave my home. <laughs> I think you're right. But I think what was at play was, and we've spoken to this, I think, in our last episode, is about the kind of eternal optimism of the two characters. And... That's what the critics seem to la like latch on to. But this is a movie I, about how their optimism has died. I know. I know. That's the thing. Like, so, so. And that's made very clear from minute one. What's strange. Yeah. What's strange to me is. is <laughs> Their hope is dead. Is that the, the, the movie itself seemed to have played some sort of magic trick on the psyche yeah. of the critics who watched it when they did. Because yeah. it. Ha I mean. And also. I mean, bad luck for the movie because, you know, it came out at a time where I think it was August of 2020 where we're starting to feel good. And then all of a sudden we have, you know, a new variant and, yeah. you know, other things conspire against it. So a budget of 25 million and just an opening weekend of 1.2 in the USA, 3.4 million in the world, 6.2. You know. What combination of, uh, no, it's the movie, or no, it was COVID, I don't know, but both are at play for me. Right. It well, is I think the movie. It seems that what harmed the, fin the, you know, the financial returns of the movie seemed to conversely benefit its critical rating. Yeah. 
right? So yeah. the fact, because I think you're right. For whatever reason, the 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 COVID quarantine mindset has tricked people into thinking this movie is better than it is. Yeah, you you have that movie out there in theaters at a time when, I mean, let's face it, it's we're living in a time when nothing there's, there's no good period right. of history out there but but like a, in a you know in a a cooler moment in our culture with that movie out in the theaters i don't think it's getting those reviews yeah so it's it's uh you know for the reputation of the movie maybe it was good luck that allowed this right. movie to to be seen where it was mm-hmm. uh, under those circumstances, but yeah, I mean, it also prevents it from being anything like the kind of hit that it that it could have been, even if it was a movie that everyone hated. Yeah, right. I think that despite the fact that the movie doesn't work, it still would have been a bigger hit if COVID, yeah, wasn't at issue. Definitely. Yeah. And also, you know, you're not able to go out and do the same kinds of publicity mm-hmm. um, that you would normally do. So that's going to affect things as well. Right. Um, I just when this movie came out, I remember thinking being in a place of if I was going to go see it, I think you probably had because there was a few months there where I was seeking out movies just to drive ins. Yeah. You know, and I remember this being at the tail end of that. Right. But it was, you know, further away from my house and it was, you know, it's kind of like a thing to commit to the drive-in. Yeah. As opposed to to my local cinema. Frequency on your radio. Exactly. Is my car battery going to run out? Uh, (laughs) And all that that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, I I think absolutely all those factors. Um, And I think the other the other key context for the movie is that. Uh, we talked about this as well. This 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 thirty year gap, yeah. and it kind of you know rebooting a classic franchise property. Because I saw a lot of earmarks of how we do that in twenty twenty, or how we do that in you know modern times in cinema too. Uh, compared, say to well, how do you mean? Like be more well, specific. Having just what? done you yeah, having just done Dark Fate, I saw a lot of overlap in. The, like the the modern approach. Well, gotcha. I would say, I saw a lot of Dark Fate in here. I also saw a lot of Force Awakens, and it's like, how do you revive a property that has been dormant for so long? Mm-hmm. And it seems that everyone has the same uh, approach in Hollywood to doing it, and that approach is incredibly unsatisfying. Well, what do you mean by the, what's the approach? Are you talking about mixing I'm talking about, the it's, old it's, with the, the new? The way, car- yeah, the way the issues issues like fan service issues like oh, okay how characters evolve or crucially don't evolve. Yeah, right. It's all kind of handled in the same way and has been, I guess, for the last five ten years in exactly the same way. Uh, and it's incredible, just incredibly unsatisfying to me. It's all kind of it all. Un- it's paradoxical. It undoes it. It undoes, undoes, itself. undoes itself. Yeah. Uh, Can I ask you what was your initial reaction to seeing fifty year plus 
Bill and Ted. I didn't have a reaction. No, I, I mean it's it's. I don't. They've. I mean, as as human beings, they've worn incredibly well. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, Keanu Reeves more so than Alex Winters, but there really is. I'm. I, I'm not focusing at all on how how uh, physically different they are. Which is remarkable. No, I wasn't either. But what I did latch on to was... You know when you have that goofy friend when you're a teenager who's <laughs> incredibly immature for their age or silly or, you know... You, yeah. You look at them in a certain way. Yeah. And you hope that there's like an emotional growth as they get older and you kind of well this is exactly what i'm talking about like you've you've hit the nail on the head here because yeah. this this is i mean all the way back to to han solo and the force awakens i don't want to talk too much about that because we're going to cover that movie at some point right but they made a choice for that character to not grow yeah exactly and they do the same here and i think it's it this is what i mean about it undoing it's like the well, things here we like about the character unravel. A, yeah. Because it's based on something that is decades old. And the fact that there's been no change in that time, because you want to keep them how you first saw how them. How you remember how you them, first, exactly. How you remember them, means that there can be no forward momentum in the characterization. Yeah. So you're trapped in this cycle of basically fan service for fan service's sake. Sake, Right. And I, I think mean, that's the... the the idea that Han, that Han Solo is the same guy after everything after he's been everything through, that's happened to him, right? Like he's he's not even the same. He's not. He's like Han Solo, the first time we saw him in New Hope. Yeah, he's not even Return of the Jedi post, you know, <laughs> yes. post Carbonite fever dream kind of Han Solo, right? <laughs> yeah, he was never the same after he came out of that Carbonite. Um, <laughs> And here it's this, you know, it's a sp- and it's a specific choice, and it's kind of feels like this is the way things are done now when right. you revive a property that's this old that you you that it's better to have the characters as you remember them, but it makes no narrative sense, and it's not. And it, it makes it, it like it was deeply unsatisfying. Change in the world, right? So it's even in fantasy, it doesn't track. Well, and I also connect it with something else because at one point, when we're dealing with their daughters oh yeah i start thinking to myself maybe bill and ted should have taken a back seat and this story should be about the daughters but again this is yeah and then they kind of start doing that but almost as i was thinking it i i, I there was just this part of me wrestling where i thought wouldn't that be a more interesting idea but then i knew that hey fans of bill and ted if you waited 30 years for for a new sequel and they weren't front and center then you know well you might have people to, complain and i just thought take you know but, take a bigger risk but well right and put put a positive spin on this let's think about where this has worked okay cobra kai right that balance of old and new is perfect is it is spot so on it's entirely possible right right can if be you done. approach it in the right way yes. and no one loses like no one's watching cobra kai and thinking there's not enough there's not enough of the legacy characters no one's thinking we're not focusing i don't like the new these characters. new characters nobody's thinking that right right 
So it's entirely possible, but I think you're. I think the problem is for for a number of years, and maybe this it's a cinema specific thing. Maybe it's Hollywood that's up its own ass about this, and and you know TV can be a bit freer with it. it yeah. It's, it's just the approach is off. Right. It's it's, it's and it's not doesn't appear to be changing because as you're talking about all this, I, I'm again I'm thinking Crystal Skull, you mm-hmm. know. Why, <laughs> why is it you know this movie should really if you're going to do it properly should be about mutt, yeah. And the movie talks itself out of being about mutt. I mean, most people were grateful for that because of the way mutt was characterized exactly. and played. But <laughs> yes, nonetheless, in principle, you like. Well, and on top you've of also, that, it's you've funny also that... stranded him in the middle of someone else's story, right? And that's kind of what we do it's here. It's funny that we're. But that's over 10 years ago. We should have this, learned by right, now. Because this is probably, uh, you know, we're going down a Harrison Ford road. But I think it, <laughs> those two particular movies are so wrapped up in him. Because he, yeah. I think he kind of wants Han, to, or Han Solo to stay the same. And his only other thing that he wants is for him to die. Indiana Jones, his big thing is, I'm Indiana Jones. We're not passing anything on to anyone. Right. That was, you know... So you, you have an actor who's hamstring, you know, who perhaps is hamstringing the ability for the movie to move on. But that's that's that, and this this and is I, this. And I suppose but... the key difference here is we do see a moment where Bill and Ted pass the gauntlet to their children. It's five minutes before the end of the movie. Before the end of almost, the movie, and also it's a kind of a futile gesture. Yes, you know? I mean e- even if it even, even seems if, futile uh... in the narrative, like right by that point. It's sort of, it's a given, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because they've spent the whole movie as an irrelevance, right? As they're 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 trapped in this, they're unable to change their own future, mm-hmm. and that's a that's a big shift from the characters that we've seen who have the agency to transcend death, yes, to right, determine exactly. their own destinies, yes. And now we have characters who seem who have no free will within time and space. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which is another pit, like another pitfall of this storyline, I think. I agree. And I, I kept, this is one of those movies where you watch it and I constantly was, you know, my brain was just firing, you know, just bing, 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 where I kept thinking, well, here's an idea, but what if you did this with it? And I had right. like Five of those ideas, six of those ideas, seven of those ideas, as the movie kept going along. Yeah. And in that way, Definitely. it made it very frustrating to watch. Yeah. Because... I, I have better jokes for everything. I have better right. realizations of ideas all over the place. Here. Yeah. I can't believe that we have Keanu Reeves speaking in a fake English accent and we don't do a much ado about nothing joke. I mean, or, 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 a, or a Dracula. Or a Dracula, right. Yeah. Exactly. Like. Like, uh, let's especially given how referential the last movie was. Yeah, right. It's like, what does this movie refer to except the original Bill and Ted movie and a little bit of Bogus Journey? So, well, you're right, first of all. Um, but do you, because you seem to suggest that they don't. I to me, the one thing that this movie seemed to latch on to from Bogus Journey was the credits. 
Right, yeah. To that's me, a, that's fe- important. To me, it yeah, feels like they take on all of those newspaper articles and all the magazine covers, and they keep all of that in this movie. It, the majority of it. Yeah. Although, they they also... Actually, one of the things I re- one of the one of my positive points about this this movie is that they do a they do a retcon on the ending of Bogus Journey that I think works really well, which is making Baby Bill and Ted females. Right. I think that's one of the best choices in the in the movie. I'll Take, agree. But taking advantage of the ambiguity that those ca- those babies were never officially gendered. Yeah. In within the movie, I don't like the fact that they have to talk you through that later it should have never been commented on right because then then it's like oh you did this great kind of non-binary thing and then you fucked it up by and then you fucked it up by we called them bill and ted we called them bill and ted when they were younger because they were so like us it's like no no that's much stronger if you right. just retcon it and don't mention it absolutely but anyway they made that choice and i think that's one of the strong so what they do what but they they're rewriting definitely rewriting the tone of that ending because that that yeah. is an upbeat and closed ending yeah. and they've made it open and downbeat and downbeat yeah so they're capturing informationally they're capturing most of what's in that right ending, right right but they are they're implying that it meant something other than it meant which is just a retcon mm-hmm. uh and you know they the strength of that ending is that you can sort of do that, but but they've chosen to to sort of deal with it in a way that's a, the way that's kind of just doing the same thing Bogus Journey did, which is to say, and I think you can only do this once, where you know you the characters reach their destiny, and then you have to come up with a way that to defer that destiny to undo for like, the, yeah, for like to, ninety minutes, right? And they're kind of doing that again here because it was a great song, but not the song, exactly. Yeah. So the so. You know, but I find little, I do still find it. Three, it's a little alien three. Yeah, right, you know, right, kind of, right. Because I do find it very kind of interesting that they I do. that. You know, you keep that 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 you know that they won the battle of the bands and that that song was great, but it wasn't the defining song. Yeah, you know, ba- based on this me... tw- this this huge lapse in time, and that's the place so, to go, yeah. right? Right, but and then they sort of, but it's it's a mixture of sort of saying like retconning that ending at least in spirit, and saying you know, it didn't achieve what we wanted it to achieve or what we told you it did achieve mm-hmm. in the last movie. Right, and then they introduce a new concept which is, hearkening back to excellent adventure, time was folding in on itself. Yeah, so it's like, we, we, you know, like time travel played. A, a much less important role in the last movie, I think deliberately. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, they're, they're focusing on the idea of time travel right from the start. They, they, and this is where I think they're they're doing the trilogy loop back to the back original. to the original. Right. They're foregrounding with all those vignettes of various historical characters falling into different parts of time. Right. Um, I think that you know there isn't there is a sense. I mean, maybe this even this movie is part of the part of the anti-bogus journey uh, argument, which is to say, oh, That's this is possible. the real Bill and Ted. Yeah. This is the re- time travel is the real Bill and Ted. All that nonsense with hell and the bunny rabbits is, is just bullshit. 
<laughs> I think there's a little bit of that. Maybe there is a little bit of that. But, you know, for me, like what I was mentioning about the song before was it's not just that this movie is taking it in a different direction because the credits of the last movie actually seem to take it in a different direction. Because yeah. the magazines and the newspapers are all talking about the band breaking up at that time. Sure. And so, yeah. you know. And that is followed through on you. And you're right. And I shouldn't give it as much. I think I think one of the one of the one of the parts of this movie that that works and it reminds me a lot of of Wayne's World as well is this kind of like lat- latching onto real life uh, rock music biography material. Mm-hmm. So all the stuff with the band falling apart, yeah. death going solo, you know, it that. The, you know, the music that they're making now, this kind of avant-garde prog yeah. instrumental music that, you know, when bands fall apart, this is the kind of shit they do. Right. Right. So that all of that kind of tracks because it's it's based on a kind of. It's it's based on a historical reality of rock music. Yeah. Right. Which is something that also Mike Myers minds in the in the Wayne's World movies. Um but that's the only kind of comedy in the movie that that works, and I think it is just because it's so grounded in something that right. we can all yeah. understand. And I'll, I'll 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 tell you, you know, one of the other elements of this movie that made me very sad is it made me feel out of touch. <laughs> right. Yes. And you know, I don't. I'm I'm not. You know, I don't expect to go into a movie in 2020, and not feel as out of touch as I am. Mm-hmm. I do expect a Bill and Ted movie to give me a fucking break. Yeah. <laughs> right? Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want a Bill and Ted movie lecturing me about how out of touch I am with modern music. Absolutely. The, well, modern culture. That's a great place to end the first segment, <laughs> I think. <laughs> and then we'll come back and we'll try to get back into touch uh, with the music and the movie. How about that? All right. Right after this. Does the coronavirus have you feeling oogie? Have you been sitting on your couch for weeks? Nay, have you been sitting on there for months? Well, it's time for you to get back in shape. Check out To A T Fitness. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. To A T Fitness was started by Tina Bernard. She is ready and raring to go to help you get back into the shape you want to get into. They've got all kinds of classes. They've got outdoor in-person classes. They've got online classes if that's what you prefer. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get back in shape. You're going to find a variety of exercises. You're going to have strength training, cardio, weightlifting, even fun five-minute burnouts that will push you to your limits. So get off the couch, get into shape. Go ahead and check out Tua T Fitness. Tina Bernard has got you for all your needs. I know her personally. She's fantastic. You're not going to meet a better person to help you become the new you. Check it out. All right, one and all, we're back. Tom and I are here discussing Bill and Ted Face the Music, the 2020 film. Do you have anything to say about the um, the lack of a apostrophe 
uh, <laughs> possessive. On Ted? Y- yeah. Did that bother you? That we don't have apostrophe S in the title? The only it one of the three. Did it first. <laughs> and then, I, you know, when you look at the title, you realize, of course, it doesn't need one. And I don't know. Face the music. You think that's the problem with the title as opposed to? I don't know. I can't decide if I like or dislike this title. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very Nelson comment. I think <laughs> I can yeah. think of at least two things I don't like about that title. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think was Naked Lunch, right? That was the. Uh... That, that does sound familiar. Yes. I think I can think of at least two things wrong with that title. But that's never a great place to start with a movie, right. is it? Where because, you're sort of going, is that like... Well, I, that, I'm going to save it. I, I'm going to save it, but I have real issues with the end of this movie. Okay, good. Um, As you should. Yeah. I got problems. I guess one of my questions for you are, um, you know, obviously because we don't have George Carlin... Although he does appear in the movie anyway. Yeah, because it's a 2020 movie. Because so it's, it's a 2020 movie. Talk about someone who's dead right. and was once a character. You have to fucking bring them back to life. Always. It's I'm, ty- I'm sick of it. I'm and tired of it. And we're I learning. I do not want to see it. It is disrespectful to the person who died. That is the, <laughs> it's simple. <laughs> I don't care if they make, you know... Make if, Harold if, Ramis if we, if look we asked the estate and they said it was okay, I just, but I just think it's, it's, again, it's another one of those things that is that just comes as standard, right? In a and and, but to your point I don't, earlier, I don't it's the nostalgia who's, who's ride asking for it. I mean, I suppose it all goes back to the Tupac hologram, right? <laughs> yes, the Elvis I think hologram, so. right? And a pa- well, no, I guess it's our fault, isn't it? It's it's our fault. We went crazy for that. Maybe a lot of or a lot but of I people also think who should know I, better went crazy. I, I for also that. think it's just uh, it's part and parcel of like what they can do with technology right now, and so because they can do it, mm. they're gonna do it because they think this is what people want to see. I mean, that's the all you need to the only like exercise you need to do to prove that this is a complete fallacy take it out of the movie watch the movie does it affect anything no no of course every not. single time right every single i mean i'm just tired of it anyway that's not what your point was so let's move on <laughs> <laughs> no i'm i'm happy to pause for a rant and it's not that agree- and it's not that egregious in this one actually agreed yeah but but uh, but uh, hey, what I uh, hey why not cast why not cast someone of George Carlin's stature right in the surrogate role yeah how about that <laughs> <laughs> sometimes does, it's that easy now does that mean you that Frank you... Pentangeli it that's yeah. what you do right <laughs> I don't know who that would be. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, probably someone who's uh, about to be arrested for sexual harassment, so it might not work. Well, no, maybe it's uh, Dave Chappelle, and that's completely unproblematic doing that. 
<laughs> I guess you could have got away with it in 2020. Yeah, you're right. Then you yeah. wouldn't have been able to watch it. Then it would have soured as time went on. So you're fucked either way. <laughs> what if it was Chris Rock or Will Smith? Bob Newhart. There you go. It's there the you only go. safe choice. Yeah. <laughs> Mel Brooks, is he still here? He is. Right? He very much is, yeah. Yeah. So does that mean you don't like Kristen Schaal? That was re- one of my next questions. We okay. have Kristen Schaal, we have the two daughters, and then the one I take more issue with, because it's such a Hollywood thing, is we have two new wives playing the babes, but of course they're younger. It's offensive. Yeah. It's, it's an ageist bent that it's hard to get over. Uh, that one really bothered me. It's really hard to. I mean, it 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 it's it's terrible for a number of reasons. Especially because one of them in particular look. I'd have to look it up, but it looked like she was no, in her twenties. Right. And it's just an like. It's it's. It seems to be there solely to flatter male ego, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no other reason to cast younger actors there than right. To remind everyone how well Keanu Reeves and Alex Winters have worn. Right. Um, and I it mean, fucks up the timeline. But you, yeah, exactly. Exactly right. And those girls aren't 30. No, yeah. Because you're they bringing should actually back... probably be older than 30 because of the, all that, because they were in a, like a time. They went to the future and were like a year old. They don't look old enough to have the daughters. They don't look old enough to have the daughters, but they look old enough to have. No, they don't even look old enough to have those daughters. But those daughters aren't old enough to be those daughters. <laughs> right. This is a time travel movie that cannot get the basics of time down. Yeah, right. That's a problem. And for no apparent reason other than Hollywood ageism as it relates to women. Yeah, right. And the double standard of the fact that men can be as old as they want and will keep the same actors as soon as a woman gets over a certain age you have to recast her Mm -hmm. it's fucked up man and i'm really surprised that a 2020 movie is going along with this bullshit well the the one thing i'll say because uh i'm looking right now at samara weaving and Mm -hmm. she is 30 years old okay so i'll i'll give the movie a break on that one i have to look up the other uh, the other so they're, daughter, they're, but but then that makes me wonder what, like story wise, what are these? What have they been doing all these years? Yeah, right. Like these feel like teenagers. That's that's the other like thing. Right is, out of high school. She is thirty, but they have a, they they feel like Bill and Ted from the first two movies. They feel they're that that yeah. age. Yeah, no, I found it offensive on every level, and insults to my. To my intelligence and my politics. Those those two parts are, but does is Kristen Schaal a, a surrogate? Oh, yeah, that was your question. A, um, a worthy surrogate for you? I, mean, I also find it strange that we're learning for the first time that Rufus was... I mean, obviously, George Carlin's dead, so the yeah. idea of, of a daughter makes sense, but... Um, we see his wife. I was going to say, that's, that was my next point. Like, we see Holland Taylor. Legend. Yeah, something of a comedy legend in her own right. Sure. 
and I don't want to take that away from her. So they kind of split the difference, haven't they? They've got yeah, like, right. It's like we split Rufus into a well-respected comedic actor and you know uh, one of the bright lights of the modern comedy scene. Yeah, which is Chris and and I think she's excellent. I think she's certainly prolific enough to be playing this role. I don't mm-hmm. think they. I think she's miscast. I'm gonna say it out loud. I think. I think there's a wet. There's a cat. As absolutely, if you're gonna have Chris, if you're gonna have um, Kristen Schaal, let her be Kristen Schaal. Well, that was my point. There's like a yeah, ton that's, of other, that's like what a ton I wanted other to actors say. I could think would do this role better, and that's not her fault. No, because it, because the script writes her in a certain way. Right, as a kind of valley girl, like a sort of. Right. Yeah, like because a, it's all wrapped up in her relationship with her mom, which is, I guess, supposed to be mined for comedy, but there's yeah, not, I know. there's no Hard comedy tell, there, right? right? Yeah. So, that's a problem, and you're but, not using yeah what Kristen Shaw would be great at. No, and she, and and it's not that, and we know she can do that within the frame of a, of a big Hollywood movie because of the Toy Story movies. Sure. Uh, and isn't. Uh, no, and there's there's other there's other examples as well. She she's you're able to do that even with an alternative comedian. But I think I think there is something, and again, this speaks to this huge rift between early '90s comedies and comedies today. You know, like the ni- 1991 Bill and Ted is packed with cult pop icons and the best character actors mm-hmm. in their ilk, and the you know. Again, what comes as standard now is an interchangeable white guy from SNL, right. a sketch comedy woman. Yeah, it's not the, and I'm not I'm not throwing shit at that. I am throwing shit at the fact that when you make no, a comedy I... movie, you're you're sort of you're you're casting from the bottom up. Yes, exactly. Whereas Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey was going well. Who's literally the best people we get? Not in comedy. At all. Just, uh, yeah, right. And this is going, well, who's big in the sketch scene? Who's on TV mm-hmm. right now? Who We could get one of those white guys. Who would people SNL. recognize and like? There's about eight of them. They all look the same. Just grab one. Yeah. His name, I know his name is Beck Bennett, and it's unfair to say that, but and it's just part <laughs> of the, the problem is the culture of of TV sketch comedy that he's in. Not his, not his problem. Right. Nonetheless, when I see him, I think, oh, there's that interchangeable white guy from SNL. Yeah. Sorry. So I think I, again, and this movie suffers from what we were just talking about with with the princesses and their casting, but you're keeping Missy. You're keeping Hal Landon Jr. You know what I mean? Like, there's... I mean, th- yeah. In, in a way, I'm like, oh, thank God. I, I'm th- thankful that they at least have those two. Yeah. But when you juxtapose that about over recasting the princesses, yeah. like it, it makes that part of it even more offensive. It does. It certainly does. Um, it's also, I think. I think in the minds of the people who wrote this movie and, and directed this movie, they think they're doing more with the princesses than Bogus Journey did. Yeah, yeah. And it's fair to say that they were underused in, in Bogus Journey. That is Journey fair, and, sure. And offensively used because they're just damsels in distress for the entire movie. Yeah. And, you know, that's a product of the time. That's a 1991. Yeah, right. Right. However, 
going in and out of phone booths is not the not same as doing yeah. something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Doesn't count. Sure, they're not victims. They're pressing the numbers and they're traveling through time. But all we see is them getting in and out of phone booths. Let me ask you this. <laughs> I kept having this idea that, so, you know, at the end of Bogus Journey, we've married the princesses. We have two kids. Yeah. So to me, it's a very there's a very simple reason why Bill and Ted have not made the song yet. It's because they've been focused on being great dads. That makes sense to me. That's that's a perfectly you know I find no trace of it in this movie. Exactly. So so <laughs> But that makes total sense to me, yes. And but, it'd be a good way. So if you have the same framework, if you have like if you have that the, the time is unstable. You you have to make this song in whatever it is, twelve hours or seven hours or however long they gave them. I forget. And it's the first time in their lives that they forget about their children, and they're just focused on the songs, and they're doing this, and they're doing this, and they're doing this. And then you bring in the element of, uh, hey, Dad, we have an idea. Dads, we have we have an yeah. idea. Hey, we I can't listen to you right now. We have to focus on this. Please go away. And then Despite through... the fact that that sounds a little too much like uh, Rocky Five, I like it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but as we said, it's not the idea that's bad. Right. It's the execution. Yeah. But yeah, so, no, I, 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 I... These are the things that were swirling in my head while I was watching this movie that made me think... But, the, yeah. Take one more pass. Like, just right. think about this just a little bit, because... But isn't that isn't that part of the same problem that we were talking about before that that that, that this kind of like having the characters appear exactly the same as they did the last time you saw them means that you can't do a storyline like that because you can't imagine any growth in between the two movies from character from well from a character perspective from a character perspective i think it's a little interesting that they did mature because they were focused on parenthood and they weren't as focused on their own music in your version yeah yeah no no, no yeah, i'm not in I'm my not, oh okay I'm, what i'm saying no i'm not talking about your imaginary film yes. i'm talking <laughs> okay. about the one that we no, both watched the one we watched you're absolutely right and Sorry. it's the same in Force Awakens. Like, you know, in the, in the Force Awakens, they have to come up for a reason as to why... We're going to have to do that Solo... series next. You clearly... <laughs> You're ready well, to no, talk well... about it. <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm not the first person to say that, you know, it's, it's preposterous that Han Solo hasn't developed, hasn't learned anything from being a parent or all those things that you're just right. talking about. And then they have to concoct a reason as to why, oh, yeah, he did change for a while, but then he went back. Mm -hmm. I mean, they don't even make that excuse in this movie. It's just like a, it must just, it's a static line. He's made a beeline from the end of Bogus Journey. Yeah. Because the idea is these guys have learned, have learned nothing over the years. Um, and it's. Which we yeah. know is not, tr I mean, just based on how the last movie ended. Right. We, we know that they're such accomplished musicians now so yeah they they have the skill right and you'd think that being a parent would you know bear this idea of i suppose they have just suggested that the arc has kind of gone full circle right because they, they've had their success they've 
they presumably gained some kind of self-knowledge and parented for a while and then went back to this when things went bad. Right. I mean, the movie's not... I'm I'm extrapolating quite a bit here because the movie's not giving me any of that. I, but... I mean, I think it kind of sort of is. That that seemed evident to me, everything you're but saying. But they wouldn't... Re- there's no way... They could. They can't plausibly read. You can't. But you only. Do- but I. But I also have the benefit of having just watched Bogus Journey, and seeing the credits and knowing all of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I admit that when I first saw this movie, I hadn't seen Bogus Journey, and I was willing to accept anything that it was mm-hmm. telling me about. But then seeing Bogus Journey, it's like, oh, those characters have have already developed beyond the state that we're seeing them now. Yeah. Right. So what made them go back? <laughs> Again, you know, Han Solo and Force Awakens is like a pre-New Hope Han Solo somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in his fucking seventies. So it's like, what, what the fuck is going on here? I think so... it is just, it just, do, it just fundamentally doesn't work if you if you attack it this way. I right. just don't think it works. There's something to me. It w- <laughs> again because we were talking the other day on our last episodes about how long they waited for a script and they had to get a script that you know was really worth doing and to me they latched on to just a few ideas it was you know one the kids yeah and the kids would be like them uh to the de- destabilization the reverting back to the excellent adventure by having yeah. the kids go back in time and get people and then the and last they're going, and they're also going through time as well yeah and then the last thing they wanted was, you know, these different versions of Bill and Ted. Well, you've got to have that. I mean, that's just that's what they want. In this wanted. series, you've got to have you've got to have more doppelgangers than multiplicity. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we really do. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure there's a list out there of the different Bills and Bills and Ted's in this movie. But was I that section? I certainly can't count them on on two hands. Was that section of the movie interesting for you? It just seemed like a it seemed like a prosthetic makeup and prosthetic showcase to me. That's that's no how actual, I felt. Yeah, there was no characterization or comic material in those scenes. Right. I desperately wanted that to be. It was seeing because, them as sort of bums, seeing them ending up faking being yeah. rich and famous, seeing them as prison buff prison inmates. A lot of those are the same. Also, a lot of those are the same idea. Right? Yeah, a lot of those—they all kind of—they're not distinct enough from each other, apart from the the prosthetic appear, like the appearance of appearance them. of them, right? The but and this is the other thing that gets me: no matter where we go in time or space, we seem to be in the same corridor throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. This is why this movie, to me, has an almost like a a digital era Ed Wood feel about it. <laughs> I really like when they, you know, they go to the hotel, they go to the therapist's office, they go to see Jimi Hendrix, they go to see Louis Armstrong. They seem to be going down the same corridor. Right. And that's, they're not going down the same corridor, but it's being filmed in such a, in the, the scenes generic. are being filmed in such a generic way yeah. that it really feels like that. Yeah. And added to the fact that there is literally no, like, this is a movie with more time hopping than any of time and space hopping than any of the other movies combined. Combined, right. And yet there is no dynamism in those transitions. Mm-hmm. 
we go right from one to the other as if as if we as if we're just cutting from one scene to another because we are <laughs> right but you shouldn't feel like that yeah and i'm i haven't seen excellent adventure in many years but i guarantee i'll stake my <laughs> stake my house on it that those transitions are visually exciting right and orally dynamic mhm and these are not Almost, and this is, again, this goes back, what was the name of the director again? I can't remember his name. Dean Parasat? Right. Like, I look at it and I think, yeah, I see how you did a great episode of Justified. I see how you did a great episode of Deadwood. <laughs> right. You are wrong for this material. And then I saw Galaxy Quest and thought, oh, well, that's clearly not true. But I guess the truth is this guy is a good, this guy is a good director. His approach to directing is not wrong. Mm-hmm. It's not jibing with the material, but yeah, there in was, this context, because so many of my notes have to, you know, there's just something off with the tone. There's something off with the intention. There's something off with, uh, you know, what we're choosing to show the audience. Did you spend most of the movie thinking, what is the primary joke of this scene? Like, what is the what is the comic intention of this line? Well. I mean, sometimes, well, I you'd either think that or or you'd be disappointed that you'd say the joke of this scene is that they're buff inmates. And that's it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's not enough. I guess I felt both true as well. Yeah, I felt I that there's that there's nothing there's no substance behind this right but other times i actually thought well and you want when you well, watch you, it back like, to I back can, i can see that there's a comic I, I think i think what i'm trying to say is that i saw moments where i was like i can see that this is a comic structure yeah of di- like i can see that the dialogue and the setup is a is is a comic structure but i don't know what the joke is <laughs> yeah no you're right like uh even in the even i have to say sadly Saddlery in the death scenes. Yeah. I'm looking at the death scenes. I'm saying this is the flavor of comedy without the content. The only reason it's funny is because of Saddler himself. Yeah. When he does off, you know, when he does this kind of offhand stuff, you know, yeah. like, like uh, it made me think of, you know, uh, Bill Murray and the way he would just randomly do some kind of a gesture or action yeah. That would take the scene, you know, you'd remember that forever, even if the scene itself wasn't that funny. Like, he's got some great moments like that in Kingpin, where he just steals the entire movie. Sure. Sticking his finger down the down the, the <laughs> down the the back of a, another bowler's pants, you know, before well, he and, takes it. You know, and, it's... And, and, Bill, and, and Sadler's doing all that here, yeah. but in the, in the actual devised comic set pieces, it's still not funny. You know, him getting hit with a swing ball playing hopscotch by himself it's like mm-hmm. it, it's it's like i get where you go well as a, with the swing ball i mean you can literally see that joke coming a mile away <laughs> yeah but um but it's like you know it's like the it's it's the essence of you know it's like a it's like a, a fragrance of comedy exactly because there are things that i like i like it when he's talking with the with the daughters about music especially yeah, when death, absolutely, like yes. I love that part, and I I love the line where he says, um, "When he's allowed to speak, he's very funny." Yeah, yeah. Did you like the hook and the double down with Doctor D? Like all of that shit, 
I gotta say though, if you if you know, I'd like to give this movie credit for that, but that's really all in the credits of Bogus Journey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if their best joke in this movie is something we've already done in Bogus Journey, we're in trouble. Yeah. Uh, I mean that's. I don't know. Let, yeah. Well, let's take it. Let's take it a second break, and then we'll. we'll I almost just just say one more thing. Like I yeah. actually. I'm actually even offended by the fact that they brought William Sadler back for this. I think it's mercenary because. Oh wow. He's a fat, you know, like he's a fan favorite character, and I think right. they just wanted to leech off that. They didn't actually want. And they didn't give him anything. No. Yeah. All right. They on did, that sad they note. They did him dirty. <laughs> yeah, they did him dirty. They exactly. Done him dirty. On that sad note, we'll 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 take a break and come right back because now now we'll get to the what I really have problems with. <laughs> <laughs> right after this. If you're anything like me, you spend the majority of the day wondering whether you want coffee, beer, or wine. Whichever way you fall, Brew Bar has you covered. Located in the heart of 3rd Avenue Village in glorious downtown Chula Vista, California, which is also my neck of the woods, Brew Bar is a coffee shop, bar, and eatery rolled into one delightful package. Tim and Alex run the place, and let me tell you listeners, these guys know their coffee. And after you've been in their company, so will you. They turned me on to pour over, and it's literally all I drink now. If for some crazy reason you don't want to try the best coffee in the world, they've got espresso drinks, all kinds of teas, and even coffee cocktails. You heard me. Coffee tails. And we're just getting started. Bottle service on craft beer and wine, alcoholic and caffeinated potions, an all-day food menu with plenty of vegan options. All served up in an atmosphere hip enough to know you're getting the best quality, but not too hip that you feel the need to drive to 7-Eleven and get a bucket of brown swill. Brew Bar. It's the best place to be for beer, wine, coffee and tea. And if you go, you might even see me. <laughs> We're back. <laughs> Laughing already. Uh, laughing, Tom, laughing at how my notes look like the ramblings <laughs> of an angry old man on your lawn, shaking your fist. This soup is too cold. <laughs> well, that's certainly going to be uh, the major theme for me at the end of this movie. But Do you want to know what what really makes me think that? <laughs> Tell from me what I'm looking at. So this is the note I have. Kid Cudi. Is this guy famous? <laughs> I have the same note. But I don't think a Bill and Ted movie should remind you how how, yeah. how out of touch you are. Because I I just had to take it because I know that I am completely musically illiterate. Right. All the RAM in my head is devoted to movies. So Oh, interesting. You know, like when I hear songs, mostly it's, oh, I know what movie that's in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I do, I do. But I, I really had the sense, I kept writing notes like, who is that? Should I know who that is? 
is that really him or is that an actor? Well, not <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> not just that, but I also wrote the note of think how funny this would be if it was literally anybody else doing this. Yeah. And because of course the shtick, if you want to call it that, is that yeah. He's the person, he's the... Uh, he knows the quantum physics of... Right, he's the designated time travel expert. Yeah. And he's also like a human exposition dump. Um, right. And then I thought, hmm, where have I seen this before? Alice Cooper in Wayne's World. Right, yeah. And that works because you know who Alice Cooper is. He's a capable performer right. and can actually <laughs> exactly. perform the comedy of it. Yeah. Which Kid Coody, don't know who he is, but he ain't an actor. But he's not an actor. Uh, I know that from this movie. I don't know that from I have lines. Else. I have lines like, what about Elvis Costello? <laughs> I know him. And that's another, that's another great example. But I actually, I don't know, this might blow my, no, it's not going to blow my credit check because it should be talked about now. All right. I did notice that Weird Al Yankovic is in the credits. And I had to imagine oh, a I parallel didn't. universe in which... Kid Cuddy, whoever the fuck he is, is in the credits. And Weird Al Yankovic is in the movie. Oh. And suddenly it all makes sense. Wow. Oh, like, why would you Weird reach Al out to was Weird in Al... that part. Why would you reach out to Weird Al Yankovic to be in a video upload section of your credits? Yeah. When there's stuff he can do in the movie that people other than, like youngsters would know who he is and he's still known he's still a known quantity mm -hmm. he's the democratic choice <laughs> for the most possible people who will know who you are and kid Cudi, i'm gonna go out on a limb and say is the least democratic choice for that well remember we're two angry old men i know <laughs> but this movie makes me feel that way and that's why i resent it <laughs> But you know what I mean. Like, look at Bill and Ted's target demographic. Right, exactly. Right? It's going to be men our age it's, or us. Exactly. It's for, it's for us. It's for us. So, so for fuck's so sake. So why is Kid Cody in this for movie? For fuck's sake, have it appeal to us. I don't even think I'm saying his name right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and, the problem. And how would you know? <laughs> I know how to say Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah. Oh, man, that is fantastic. Uh, let, oh, but we do also get Dave Grohl. We do, yeah, we, we do get him. That's Which true. I guess is is our little bit of... But we like, don't even... We, our little bit of chum. We see a little him, bit of chum yeah, for men our but age. But we see him... Did, were you like me? Because we saw him at the door and then never again. Right. Well, there's, I mean... There's and a there's an extensive amount of time we're still in that house. So I kept thinking, you couldn't have kept him another few hours? Right. <laughs> Just give me one more. And the thing is, like, without, again, without having any examples over the top of my head, I feel like Dave Grohl cameos in a lot of stuff. Like, if you see <laughs> modern media, you're going to see a lot of him. So I don't think it is, this, even though it's not superficially the same as having James Martin from... Faith No Faith More. Faith No More, right. I don't feel like you could go to any movie in 1991 and see a cameo from Jim Martin. Whereas I feel like Dave Grohl is all over the map. Yeah, okay, yeah. That that might be true. 
And even and if it's use... not true, it feels like it's true. <laughs> Which is the essence of old man rhetoric. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Before we get to the end, I want to talk about a couple of things. Please. I'd like to know your thoughts. One about the robot. Oh, God. And then... <laughs> oh, God. Two. Let's talk about this first. Let's talk about Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter. Because one has been in our lives for a very long time, and one kind of transitioned into directing. Mm-hmm. And as I understand it, Alex Winter kind of, you know, went back to his acting roots. He got an acting coach. He really wanted to, like, you know, do this movie justice. And I think he's... Hmm like great fun in this movie. I like him as a performer in this movie. And strangely, I mostly like Keanu Reeves, but there are moments where I felt like I feel like I'm seeing John Wick. Mm. It Interesting. Felt, there were times where I wondered if he forgot how to be I thought, Ted. I listen, I thought I thought they I thought they both I thought they both carried the movie fine. I don't think it's a uh, a, a John McClane, no, right? Bruce Willis human walnut dilemma. I think it still feels. I think it still feels enough like Ted. All right, but I do think. But I do think the weight of doing mostly dramatic parts does show more on that. Might be it than on Keanu Reeves, and also the way that Ted is written, because at one point that you know they're running into so many of their own duplicates. Mm -hmm that they even have make it part of Ted's character arc that he's afraid of confronting himself. Mm -hmm. Like that's his, that's his kind of emotional through, through line, line in the movies right. related to that. And I feel like they wouldn't have given that to 1991 Keanu Reeves to do. That's interesting. Uh, so he, you said that, you know, there's a heaviness around that movie. And I think a lot of the heaviness is about, how Keanu Reeves has changed in our minds, but also as a performer. Mm -hmm. um, but I think they're both excellent at carrying the movie. Yes, I think Alex Winter is more entertaining. Yeah, than the two, definitely. Yeah, uh, that's how I felt. I have, no, I have no issues with them carrying the movie. You know, it's again. I think at this point, it's the Crystal Skull thing. It's like, does he still look good in the hat? Okay, fine. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. I feel it's the similar kind of thing here. <laughs> Do they still kind of look like Bill and Ted? They yeah. do. Yeah. They do? They both look... I'll buy, I buy I know it. we talked I about it, it, but they both but look amazing. But why the fuck haven't they changed in 30 years? Right. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... It's, uh... Oh, so, I mean, let's talk about the robot, but also... No oh, yeah, yeah. No station. Not yet. Station doesn't... Oh, well, I'm on... Oh. <laughs> oh, we might be thinking similar things, sir. Well, there's more than one station. <laughs> also, we know nothing about stations, so we can do whatever we can the do whatever fuck the we, hell want, we want. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like screenwriting putty. You could do anything with him. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about Dennis. Dennis. Dennis we the robot. We need to talk about Dennis. We need to talk about Dennis. So, I remember hearing that Anthony Carrigan from the hit HBO series Barry was mm -hmm. being cast in Bill and Ted Face the Music and thought, great. 
Love this guy's work in that show. Mm-hmm. Great addition to the cast. I had it in the back of my mind. He was either replacing William Sadler, <laughs> and I'll I'll concede to a degree of ableism there because he's known for his alopecia. Um, but also I thought, oh, you know, you want a, like a surrogate kind of comic actor? I can see how it'd be a it'd be a, a fluid kind of transition. Then I find out William Sadler's going to be in the movie, so I'm like, okay. Right. And yet my instincts were completely right. They're trying to mould another Death-style character. Well, so, yeah, exactly. From a similar kind of character actor. Right. And they're doing that, mostly, it seems, by having him in scenes with Death in the hope that you'll think he's as funny as Death. (laughs) Unfortunately, (laughs) William Sadler owns all those scenes as he is... As he cannot not do. And this poor guy has zero to work with. And it's a it's a, just a waste of a what it, who is a, a huge talent. But I was... Everyone that's the other thing I was going to say. I, I was, huge waste. I was lamenting the waste of him because even with what little he has to do, you can tell that there's a, a brilliant comedic actor. I, I can't from this. Really? No, I can't I, from this. I, I could, I, I, I could tell I, there was something there. No, he was swallowed up by the by the, uh, the costume, by the effects. That's yeah, you're not wrong about that. For I me, it was see, the I couldn't see any of, and it's kind of the same with Kristen Shaw. Like I can't see any of what I like about yeah. him outside of this. I, I could see it in his eyes. Okay, that you know, because that's all I um, had, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say, that's all of the, all, the only part of him you can see. And it was it seemed so deliberate that they were trying to craft another supporting character yeah. in the style of death. And failing at, not only failing at every turn, but having him share scenes with death himself really underlined the disparity. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I think this happens all the time. If, if, like any comic actor, who gets a degree of credibility for a, for a particular role or a particular body of work, and and they get wasted in a comedy movie, and it feels like you never hear from them again. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of happened to this guy. You know, yeah, it sucks. So it's a huge a huge waste, and Hollywood keeps eating these people up, and all they're trying to do is. Oh, he's so funny on Barry. I mean that's it, yeah. Fuck. And you, and when I heard he was in a Bill and Ted movie, I thought that is exactly who they need to be right. putting in. Yeah, this exactly. Movie. Yeah. And where they kind of buried him in this movie is really depressing. That they really didn't know what they had. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet another reason why they probably shouldn't have brought Death back. You know, I hate. To, I mean, I can't imagine this movie without William Sadler, but mm-hmm. it would have given this guy some breathing room. At least a little. Yeah. But they wouldn't have written it properly, so... What's, so it doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. It's all futile and hopeless, which is the message of this movie. <laughs> all right. Let's get to my, 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 my biggest problem with this movie. Okay. All right. I mean, we have to go through some shit. 
for all of our characters to find themselves at a highway marker, which is going to end up being the location for where the greatest song that unites humanity is pulled together. Right. The disparate things that this script has managed to pull together, meaning grabbing legends from the girls, from the, you know, from, from the daughters. Louis Armstrong, Jimi Hendrix. Bringing them all. Mozart. Mozart. And bringing them to this point in time. Mm-hmm. The, the very thin sort of, as you said earlier, like in the last five minutes, it's, hey, the daughters have to help create this. Right. Which they're doing with some sort of box that I recognize is pro- probably part of music today, but I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. I think you've outgunned my old man yeah. and madness. I didn't think that was possible. I don't understand what it is that, or how it's used. I am used. sure is part of music today. <laughs> But I, I, it looks like I think the next time I like see you, you're gonna be a skeleton. <laughs> it looks like a square box for Simon Says, and you can well, push buttons is, and things happen. Don't give you, you know, don't don't underestimate what you're saying because I suspect if you talk to someone who who actually DJs for a living, they would look at it and say, "Yeah, that's a Simon box. <laughs> right. That's not how we do it." Yeah. I guarantee you. That's funny. <laughs> So at any rate, death is on base and you've got, you know, you've, what? Well, this is the first time death, we see death outside of hell. Yeah, that's true. So we talked about how tightly structured the last movie was. Mm-hmm. This movie is so disorganized that when de- when they finally get around to recruiting death into the ensemble, he basically walks into the end of the movie. Yeah. So there's a big contrast there. Absolutely. Yeah, because this movie just meanders. Right. But the thing that I really can't get over (laughs) is the use of time travel Mm -hmm. to pass out instruments to the world. Right. And the reason this song has Bill and Ted's song is become this... You're generous calling it a song. Right. It's this God... I'm I'm going to out old man you now and say... Go, go. God awful, come to Jesus, hipster chanting. Yeah, is what I call. Right. It. It's not a song. It, you know, God gave rock and roll to you. Say what you want about that. That's a song. It's an identifiable song. Right. Yes. This is just noise. Yeah, exactly. Ah, I win. I win the <laughs> old do. man game. This is just noise. It's a classic for a reason. What's it say that the second you said that, I thought somebody gets it. He he understands. <laughs> It's just noise, which is to say nothing of the fact that you cannot pass out instruments to the world and assume they know how to play them. If everybody takes their saxophones and their fucking mm-hmm. nonsense that has that been passed out, they're going to put them to their mouths or bang on them or do whatever it is that you do with that particular well, instrument that's, and Mike, make that's noise. That's what it sounds like before you put it through that Simon box. Maybe, <laughs> fucking shit. But it, they, what, what I, the thing that I really take offense to is that this movie, in the end, misses the point of music because music, yep. I, I, 
I applaud the sentiment behind it that we're yeah, we're all absolutely. one and we all you know come together and blah 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 blah. <laughs> but the point of music is that it, you know it can transfix and transport you. It it it's autobiographical. It reminds us of who we loved and who we were when at at a specific time, and all of and Bill and Ted are supposed to create the thing that. Yeah. Does that for everyone all at once and brings us together. So the idea that that their idea was to just have everybody do it together to me is a catastrophic error mm-hmm. at the end of this movie that I just can't get over. I mean, it's so upsetting. I'll I'll double down on what you said. Um this this is my note and this this is like in the middle of the scene. by the way how is reality falling apart time folding in on itself why is the phone booth interdimensional how can everyone play music so that 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 problem you had was at the bottom of my list (laughs) but it was the thought of you know it was that exact same thought like these people can't play these instruments yeah why are you giving it to them and that just opened up and then i realized this whole movie doesn't explain a single thing. Yeah. Um, so I'm 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 in total agreement with you on that. Uh, it's interesting you said it's like oh you know I appreciate the sentiment of how we're going all together because what I think they were going for is REM's "Everybody Hurts" video. What it came out as, Kendall Jenner's Pepsi ad. Oh fuck. <laughs> Um, but thematic. See, this is the interesting thing because thematically, I think they're onto something. Well, I know they're onto something because the movie thematically has been about how Bill and Ted's generation has let down their children's generation. Mm-hmm. It's not given them a culture of their own. It's made. It's made them leech off our culture right and made them less than that is interesting and that's an intro really interesting it's a really interesting idea and you know how i know it's an interesting idea because it's the basis of cobra kai and they fucking nail it (laughs) so for it to be it to kind of come back for that to thematically rebound at this point in the movie in a way yeah, right. that destroys the entire idea of both, as you say, music and Bill and Ted yeah. as an ethos is, is just all, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a disaster. Oh. Um, yeah, uh, it's, so it's, it's, it's not, it's not good. It's, <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah, it's, it's not good. Uh, yeah. Uh, um. What a well. That's a depressing ending. It is. Give, but it also. I mean, you know, I don't know how much, how much time they had to make this movie. Whether you know, thirty years. Well, thirty years. <laughs> but it seems there's moments where it seems really rushed. Uh-huh. Like there's a kind of there's a vo button on this movie that reminded me of Beneath the Planet of the Apes. It was so <laughs> kind of like so tacked on. Like one when we had that the you know I think it is it. I don't know who I don't even know whose VO it is, which is maybe a problem. Um, but as it as it uh, who's narrating the movie? 
Oh, I have no idea. Because the movie has narration. You're right. I think it's Tia. Is it Thea? I think so. It's one of the, it's one of the daughters. One of the daughters. Um. That, okay. That's all. That's a problem. Uh, wow. That we don't. Neither of us know that. Um. <laughs> but I felt like I accidentally skipped the last act of the movie and went straight to the end. Oh, here's the oh, other yeah. thing. Here's the other thing that happens in this scene that really bugs me. Bill and Ted reconcile with their wives. And the scene plays as if this has been the thrust of the movie. You're, yeah, right. But it's really... But it's not. A B, maybe even a C story. Yeah. So, I feel like there's ch- chunks of this movie missing. Not that I want to see them. <laughs> not you know, that I the, need The old more. Superman 4 dilemma, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> this movie was cut down, but what was it cut down from? <laughs> uh... <laughs> And then, but you know what, once we got that, I mean, the hipster chanting is, is, is kind of offensive, but it's also offensive and dated. Like, I think music is, the little I know about modern day music, I think we've moved, I associate this with like 2009, 2010, when this kind of god awful hipster chanting was the thing. It was Like, I don't hear it as much now. (laughs) I think it's like 10 years old. You know what else is 10 years old? And I'm definitely transitioning into my credit check here. Go. Video uploads. <laughs> which we saw in Rocky Balboa in 2009. <laughs> and we still haven't come up with a better way of ending a movie. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's great. And it's the same thing where it's, it, it speaks to exactly what you're saying about, you know, the message is we're all doing it together. We're all playing our part. And it's like... Yeah, and then then the video uploads are like saying that it's like we're you know simultaneous interactivity is the future. Yeah, and that's such a hollow message. <laughs> yeah, especially when applied to what this movie is actually about, which, as you said, is the importance of music and the importance of a certain kind of agency. Sure. Um. So e- even in a way, you could say that e- in trying to show how. Bill and Ted's generation has let down their children. It's kind of let them off the hook. Because <laughs> they just go, right. well, we'll just pass it on to everyone. Yeah. Throughout time and space. And we're off the hook again, right? <laughs> we don't have to start, like, uh, paying for people's college education or anything, right? Please. <laughs> um, I mean, the, the, the chalk and cheese contrast between the credits of Bogus Journey and this... <laughs> credits are so plain and corporate you feel like they've given up even before they started to transcribe these credits right it was like let's just let this happen <laughs> let's just we need to just do this <laughs> bogus journey stretched the fun to the very last second of the movie yeah this movie seems determined to give us no fun <laughs> um and then we well, well but then we have this. a button Right, a post-credit sting. Yeah, and I, 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 I started coming up with um, names for the different doppelgangers, and these two, I, these two, the um, aging, nearly dead Bill and Ted, I call Pill and Te- uh, Pill and Dead. <laughs> and here's here's what I like. I like that there's a kind of moment of closure on the series, and it ends in a moment of affirmation. All right. 
So I don't have any issues with that. Yeah, no. They're doing what they're doing what Burgess Journey did. It was like, you want to end it here, you can. If you want to go on, here's a few different options. So I like that we have some callback to that. Again, tone and execution of this scene. This scene should be uplifting. Right. And moving. And it's a, it, you know, it's like a drama about an old people's home yeah. where they're poisoning the, the residents. <laughs> I sincerely think the director thought this was a, a more sinister scene Bill and Ted, than what he's actually doing. You, you want to yell, Bill and Ted, stop taking the pills they're giving you. They're killing you from the inside out. I mean, it's like the it's like the final scene of Six Feet Under. It's fucking. <laughs> it's, there's nothing uplifting about it at all. No. And then that's some that's this whole movie. Uh, but that's yeah. Problem. I was just gonna say that that wrap like that wraps the whole. That's the nutshell of the movie because they think that the prosthetic joke is enough to carry the whole scene. There's nothing else behind it. Well, there's no. There's no. I mean, there's nothing. There's no joke. There's yeah, no right. content beyond that, right? No, not at all. Ugh. How dare they put the classic Orion logo at the beginning of this movie? <laughs> no. It made me so excited and then <laughs> disappointed me so much. But, I mean, I'm going right back to the beginning here because I didn't mention it, but the Orion logo comes up and then it's immediately replaced with a logo for Endeavor Content. Yeah. If ever there was a side that that Orion logo's in the wrong place. And then Hammerstone Studios, which appears to be this retro 80s style movie production company. And I was like, there you go. You have the the mighty wind (laughs) definition of Nautro and Retro right there. Hammerstone is Retro. Orion is Nautro. Oh. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, that's it. I mean, anything left for you? I think we've covered everything, sadly. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I had more high points. Yeah, I mean... I I, I don't... Um, oh, maybe... Let, let me try and end on a... On so, oh, yeah. So, earlier on in the movie... I've made the point that, you know, this movie doesn't understand time and it doesn't really make use of the time travel concept Mm -hmm. in a way that is useful. Uh, (laughs) Early on in the movie, they they talk about how they're going to go into the future after they have written the song that that they can't write. And they're actually... They're actually employing a time travel theory known as the bootstrap paradox. Hmm. And I thought that was a really interesting premise. It doesn't really go anywhere. They don't do anything beyond that. Uh, the bootstrap paradox is, it, I think the, the the example that's given is of a, you go back in time to um, listen to Beethoven um performing music you it turns out he hasn't written any of the songs that you know you bring your sheet music from the present back put it in with him he performs that music who wrote the music mm-hmm. and this is kind of a version of that so yeah there's some actual you know there's some like uh 
like Terminator Genesis-wise, <laughs> there is actual time travel theory in here, but that doesn't necessarily make it a good film. Right. <laughs> so there's the lesson to be learned. You can you can have as much accurate time travel theory as you want in your movie. You will not necessarily make a good movie out of it. Not necessarily, indeed. I forget why that was supposed to be positive. But it started <laughs> off that way. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Do you have a differing opinion about Bill and Ted face the music? You're going to have to let us know. 86%. Some of you must. Yeah. 82. But that's a lot for this movie. I'm going to 86 that 82. <laughs> so find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Send us an email to everythingsequel at gmail.com. Let us know your feelings and where you stand. Do we have it right? Do we have it wrong? We will read you on air. All right, for Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions, Michael Schantz here of the How Dare You Awards. When you hear us next time, we're going to try and fix this, I guess. We're going to pitch our sequels. (laughs) (laughs) An even more old man thing to do. Tell young people how they got things wrong. Exactly. (laughs) Say goodbye, Tom. Yeah, how can a robot even die? Nice. (laughs) Not as good as Robot Chubby, but... Heard. Not bad. Good, yeah. All right. Until next time, everyone.